Good morning, Bethel family. So glad to have you join us again on another beautiful Sunday gathering. It is certainly odd for me to be speaking to empty seats, but in my mind, I'm picturing all of you in your various spaces, worshiping and drawing near to the Lord. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks for making a a priority of your family, of your time to, to spend with Jesus today. That video we just saw, Hal Donaldson and Don Ross, it's a celebration of what you were a part of. If you remember several weeks ago, we collected an offering and many of you gave. As a matter of fact, many of you gave a whole day's wage, which was hundreds of dollars for some of you. And you gave this do- these dollars to the Guatemala City Project that we're gonna do to stop human trafficking, to prevent these women from falling into a horrible prostitution uh, lifestyle. So thank you, $15,000 we sent and joined with some other churches, and that's why there's $50,000 that was sent down there. It's part of the Convoy of Hope project to begin this renovation in the heart of Guatemala City. Thank you for being a part of that. And we'll give you updates as those come along to us. I also wanna say it's just great to celebrate what happens in our community. Every Tuesday, this last Tuesday, we not only did lunches, we did dinners, we did our first dinner in on Alaska since this pandemic happened. 320 meals were served on Tuesday. And I love just some of these pictures. You can just see the hands and the feet, beautiful volunteers. What does Isaiah say? It says, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. And these cars continue to come through as we serve them to go meals. Thank you for being a part of this, Bethel. It's just great to see all these people and they're practicing social distancing, but serving the people of Onalaska, of Bukota. We had 45 people in Bukota for the community dinner. And God's message goes forward. You know, we put these cool little flyers in those lunches and those meals that just says, come, Jesus is your answer, he's your source, and so the gospel is being presented. I wanna just again say thank you for giving. Thanks for giving. Uh, You are so faithful. Many of you continue to bring your check by or you send it. The best way is to to go online and give. Thank you for remembering missions and your tithes. One more story, it was just really amazing as we delivered the food boxes last week. You remember, it was so cool. One of the doors that they went to, as a matter of fact, several of the doors had this kind of a note on it and they were unable to actually have the conversation with them. But when Harvey and Colleen went to the door, here's what they saw. And you can see this down here, just on a little sticky note, miss you. In other words, we know you're bringing food to our home, but what we miss the most is you, the people, the the hugs, the handshakes, the smiles, and Bethel, you are making a huge difference in the lives of people. It's bigger than food, so thank you for that. And I just wanna pray for you. Many of you have been deeply impacted by this pandemic. And I wanna pray over you, and I wanna say thank you for those who continue to trust the Lord and continue to give in this time as well. Uh, Most of you also understand that this was gonna be our invest offering. This was gonna be our big day where we rolled out this offering to give towards the roof. Our roof needs to be replaced. You can kind of see that for the downtown campus. They're replacing the lobby, renovating that. So, but I wanna just say this before we pray. 
Thank you, many of you have continued to give. Even in spite of this, you've continued to give, and we have already received $20,000 towards the invest offering. If you're in a place where you can give, awesome. If you wanna take part of that stimulus or your tax return and give, beautiful. The Lord will bless you for it. But we have pushed that down to September, and so it gives you more time if you wanna give towards the invest offering. But thank you for being faithful to Jesus. Can I just pray over you before we move on? Pray with me, Jesus, thank you that all good things come from you. Lord, thank you for those who have been generous even during this pandemic. We also lift up those, God, who want to give and they can't give or they can't give like they used to. And I pray, Lord, you lift them, that they would keep their eyes upon you, that you return to them what they sow, and when we sow generously, they will reap generously. God, thank you for people who continue to plan to give. It's a part of their budget. It's a part of their priority. And God, may you just again bless them and honor them, Lord. In your good name we pray, amen, amen. So today we're continuing with um, our, last, our last message of untroubled hearts, untroubled hearts. We've been talking in Psalms 23, but today we're gonna move forward to the book of Joshua. And I, we're just gonna take a little different twist today. So if you have your Bible, or if you wanna open up your phone, or your computer, whatever works for you, go to the book of Joshua. It's the sixth book in, from the beginning. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then comes Joshua. It's a great uh, story, and we're gonna be looking at Joshua chapter three in just, just a moment. Let me just say a couple things about this pandemic, this COVID-19. It really, some people have thought it's God's curse on us. I don't look at that that way. I see coronavirus is really a part of the fall of the planet. This whole thing, it started years ago when sin entered the world, disease followed it. Sin opened the door to, to disease, to sickness, to cancer, to coronaviruses, to the cavities, all the other things came in the door from the fall. So this isn't necessarily God's curse on us, but it's certainly a time that we need to lean into the Lord. And here's what I know, Romans 8.28, this verse, and it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What I can tell you that is that God will use this virus. He's gonna use it for my good, and he's gonna use it for his glory. And I'm already seeing where people's hearts are softening. Would you continue to pray with me? And let's believe that this is exactly what this world needs. It's what America needs. It's what Lewis County needs to get back to the heart of worship and to get back to Jesus being the center of our world, of our hearts. So you've got Joshua. Um, we're gonna jump right in. Joshua chapter three in just a minute. It's a great story. But before we tell that story, I just wanna give a little story of my, my own. This last week, Joanne and I have taken the opportunity to paint a little bit. As a matter of fact, every year we try to paint one side of our house. You know, So do the math, in four years, you've got your house painted. And so we decided we're gonna paint the back side of the house, and so uh, we got out there, got the paintbrush stuff together, got the paint, and we're going to town. The first floor of our house, easy, right? You just, 
easy. You can reach most of everything. The problem is, is that we have dormers, and the dormers are on the second floor. And this picture here kind of shows, the dormer's easy to paint, the front of the dormer, because you can ladder right up to it. But what you can't get from a ladder is you can't get the sides of a dormer. And you can see me, I went up the ladder, but I had to put a plank up there, a plank that extended up on the roof so that I could reach the side of the dormer. The problem with my house is I have a very steep-pitched roof. You cannot walk on my roof. Wouldn't it be great if you could? Problem solved. So here I am up there with a paintbrush and a bucket, and Joanne's trying to help me, and we're trying to paint this. I'm trying to paint this, but I'm standing on a nine-inch wide plank. Now don't tell me that's a little shaky. Matter of fact, you can't see it in these pictures, but my knees are shaking. There's nothing to hang on to up there. My hand's full with a paintbrush, with a paint bucket, and I'm trying to paint the side of this dormer. Now I'm thankful for a wonderful wife because Joanne said, wouldn't this be easier if I could belay you down, if we could do this with a rope and with a harness? And she had this brilliant idea. So guess what we did? So we went into the garage. I pulled out this harness. I pulled out this rope. And what we did is we decided that I would belay myself down. And so that's exactly what we did. I put on this harness, a full harness, and I put the carabiner, got the rope, and we simply went over top of the garage, over the roof with the rope, and I was able to uh, lower myself down by simply hollering at her, go lower, and here you can see the rope coming over the roof of the house. I'm on the end of this rope, and you can see it, it's carabine, it's tied to me, and there I was able to stand on the roof and paint the dormer without any problem. As a matter of fact, I was still you know, quite a ways up on the ground, but my knees weren't shaking. Matter of fact, I felt more safe in this situation than I had been on the ladder and on the plank. But I had to do something new. I had to go someplace new I had never gone before. Have you ever bumped into that place that it's brand new and there's a new challenge or there's a place that's just like I've never been here before? And that's what our story is today. We're gonna look at a time in history where the whole nation of Israel was in a place where they had never been before. You know, there's a little bit of a backdrop to the story. Here's the backdrop, is that God had made a promise to Moses. You remember that, they'd come out of Egypt, they'd come out of slavery and out of bondage, and through the Red Sea, and Moses was their leader, but what they didn't do is they should have gone from that place they should have gone 11 miles right into the promised land. But because of their disobedience, because they didn't trust God, they ended up becoming wanderers for a long time. But here's this verse before we get to Joshua, Deuteronomy 6.23. God gives them this promise. And look, look what he says, Deuteronomy 6.23. It says, and he brought us out from there. In other words, he brought us out of Egypt, out of slavery. He brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. That was the promise of God. God promised, I'm gonna bring you out of there to bring you in to here, the promised land. But unfortunately, they didn't obey God. 
And you remember the whole story. They went in to spy out the land. They said, these are giants, and then there's no way we can do it. Their faith was small. The giants were big. And so, in other words, they had to go wander in the wilderness. And that's exactly what they did. They wandered. They neglected God's promise. They wandered. They turned 11-day march into a 40 years of wandering. That's how long it should have taken them. It was only 250 miles. They should have taken 11 days to go in. But instead of 11 days, the people of God wandered in a desert. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. That is a long time to wander. And they were stuck. So God raised up a new leader. And we know the story. One of those new leaders was His name was Joshua. And Joshua was the general for Moses. And so here we are in this story today, 40 years later, and God raises up a new leader. His name is Joshua. And he says, Joshua, today's the day. The old generation had died off, and now the new generation. It was their turn to see if they would obey the Lord. And Joshua was given this wonderful promise from the Lord. It says this in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a great promise Joshua had. Wherever you go, Joshua, I am with you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be stressed. I am with you. And that is the promise that God gives to Joshua that we understand helps him. God always starts what he, what he finishes, doesn't he? God always, always finishes what he starts. He always completes that. I seldom do, but he always completes what he begins. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So here we are. They are in the land of Moab. And I, I think this map shows you a little bit. They're at the place where God brings them. Right across the Jordan River is, you can see Jericho. It's not too far from there. They're on this east area. And they're separated from the promised land by this river called Jericho. Or excuse me, called the Jordan River. And so here they are. And they're overlooking this promised land that God had promised to give to them. And uh, this land of Canaan, it really represents something to us. Canaan is, is really, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a t- it's a type, if you will. It represents something to us today. Some people think that the promised land is really, it's typified of, of heaven. It's, you know, that's the ultimate promised land. We know that. But we believe, and most theologians believe, that Canaan, the promised land, is really a type of where Christians live today. It it represents our life right now. In other words, God has promised you and he's promised me a a land, a, a, a place to live right now in his kingdom. And yeah, there's gonna be issues and struggles, but he's already given you and I a promised place that we can live and dwell with him now. And so it's really typified of of that place in our lives, a place of rest. Battles still have to be fought there. Jerichos still have to be fought, but but God is with us. And so here we are. Um, Early in the morning, it says, Joshua 3 now, beginning with our text. Here they are, early in the morning. And I love this part. I love, I don't know if Joshua was an early riser. I don't know if you're an early riser, But what I love about Joshua is that he doesn't wait, he doesn't linger, 
but he gives the first part of his day, the best part of his day, he rises early to do what God has told him to do. So he rises early in the morning, and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. So they move forward to this one spot, they're right next to the river. Uh, there's no bridges, there's no boats, and let me just talk about the river for a minute. There's no ferries, and here is the River Jordan. Now, you may have seen a picture of the Jordan River. If you were to see it today, it's hardly even a river. It's small. Today, populations have grown. The farmers are irrigating off the Jordan River. It's a small little river. But in this day, in ancient days, this river was a raging river. I don't have a picture of it, but I have a picture of another river that was raging because the Bible says it was at flood um, season. Matter of fact, it was in the springtime. The snows had melted. There was a lot of water flowing into this river, and it says it was overflowing its banks. The water was rushing. Get a picture of what that might look like. And here you are, and your promised land is over there, and you are on this side. There's no bridge. There's no way around it. And here's where they stay for three days looking at this river. I don't know about you, but if you're looking at a problem like that for three days, it might paralyze you. It might make you say, I'm not going. I'm staying right here. There's, there's nothing wrong with the desert. But they stood and they, they camped there for three days. And verse two says this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. And here's what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it. That was the group that God chose to carry the Ark of, of the Covenant. You are to move out from your positions and follow it. When you see the Ark being carried by the Levites, that's your cue. You are to move out and follow that. Now, what was the Ark? Most of you know what the Ark was. We have a picture of it. You see it in the Indiana Jones movies. We understand that in the ark was several things. There was a bull filled with the manna bread representing God's provision. There was Aaron's rod representing you know, the rod that Aaron and Moses used to part the Red Sea. Uh, there was the Ten Commandments. The law of God, the Decalogue was also in there. But most importantly, the ark was that place where God's presence dwelt. That was the place where his presence dwelt and lived and so he's saying, I want you to follow my presence. Follow my presence. And then we move on to verse four. As you're following my presence, it says, then you will know which way to go. Have you ever wanted to know which way to go? Like which job I'm supposed to take? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Uh, does anybody want to know the outcome of a relationship, right? Like, am I supposed to pursue this or leave this? Wouldn't it be great to know? And here's how you can know which way to go. Follow God's presence. Let the peace of God's presence rest in your heart. Rest and override your decisions. And I love that. That's what they did is they followed God's presence. The Ark of the Covenant was set out there in front of them. And then it says this, follow God's presence 
especially, and it goes on to say this, since you have never been this way before. This is a first time for them. This is the first time they've ever been in this spot, asked to go to that place across the river. It was the first time. Have you ever been in a spot where you've never been before? I mean, think about where we are. We've never been in a quarantine. We've never been in a spot where we are sheltered. We have to stay home. That's the orders of our governor. We're in a new spot. We can't go to work. Some of you are in a new place with teaching your kids. You're not only the parent, but you're the, you're the third grade teacher. That's a new place. How are you doing with that? Yeah, I'm praying for you. Or teaching your teenagers. You're in a new place. Some of you are working at home, or some of you aren't working at all. And you've never gone through that before. You've never been laid off. You've never drawn or had to draw unemployment. You're in a new place, and you've never been there before. What do we do when we've never been here before? We've never been in a place like this. I've never been here before where the doors of the church are closed. The church is open, praise God, but the doors are closed. I'm preaching to empty seats. I've never been this, in this place before. I've never had to do these things before by virtual meetings. We've never had to serve meals in to-go boxes. But it was God's promise to Joshua. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Even in the new place where you have never been before. And here we are, Lewis County. We're in new places where we've never been before. So what do they do? What do they do? Joshua goes on. Listen to what he says. He says, so follow the ark, but keep a distance, about 2,000 cubics. That's about 3,000 feet. In other words, about a half a mile, we're gonna stay behind that ark. Why? Because we wanna make sure that everybody can see that ark. That's the presence of God. And everybody is clear about how to follow the presence of God. I think it was also a respect issue, a, re- a, a reverence about the, the sacredness of God's presence. So they were to follow it. Do not go too near, <laughs> but they were to follow it. Then he said this, verse five. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves today, and the Lord will do amazing things tomorrow. So here's his response. He says, I want you to, I want you to look at, the, look at the, the presence of God, so concentrate with your eyes. I want you to follow God's presence with your eyes, but I want you to consecrate your heart consecrate your life. And these are the two things that Joshua told the people to do. I want you to stay fixed on the presence of God. Concentrate where the presence of God leads you. But I want you to consecrate your heart. What does consecrate your heart look like? Well, when you consecrate something, you are setting that something aside for a certain purpose. When Joanne has, she has these cake pans They're used only to bake cakes. It would not be good if I went and borrowed one to change or collect the oil from my car. That would would be suicide for me, maybe. But consecrate means to be set aside. Set aside for a particular role. The items in the tabernacle were consecrated. They belonged to God. 
And what this is saying is when we consecrate my heart to God, I'm saying, God, I am yours alone. I am yours. I'm only to be used for your good, for your glory. In other words, my plans, God, you have veto power. You can change Kyle's plans. That's what consecrating is. God's saying, I'm yours to be used and nothing else. I'm exclusively yours, Lord. Use me. Consecrate means I'm dethroning myself and I'm enthroning Jesus. Jesus is on the throne. How do we do that? It's a daily thing. It's a, it's a devotional thing that we consecrate this heart that's prone to wander, but to say, God, I'm yours. You know, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, and we have, typically, we typically meet at the Christian school, we typically start at seven o'clock with a breakfast, and we have this wonderful gathering of everybody, but this year it's different. We're in a new place. We've never been here before. But I'd like to invite you, uh, 7 a.m., if you can go to our Facebook page, we're gonna have prayers there that you can join a live gathering with some pastors, not just Bethel pastors, but pastors from our community, and we're gonna lead you through a prayer time. Why? Because we're gonna consecrate ourselves and our country and our land and our communities to the Lord. If you miss him, you're not a morning person, you can do that in the evening at 7 p.m. We're gonna have another gathering from our network. It's called a sacred gathering, and we're gonna meet again online, virtually, but we're gonna pray together. Hundreds of us are gonna pray this Thursday. Put it on your calendar right now. Would you just do that? Write yourself a note so you don't forget National Day of Prayer, May 7th, this Thursday, 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. Because consecrating our heart means we belong to God. This is what Joshua did. Verse six, let's pick up the story. Let's keep going, I love this. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, remember him? I will also be with you. And so for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now watch this, this is powerful. Here's what they did, they're carrying the ark. Remember, this, this group of people are probably a million or better, and they're following the presence of God, the ark of the covenant. And the priests are out there, watch what happens. Verse 13, let's jump down. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. You get the picture? Standing in the, in the river, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Imagine that. Now, this group of people, they had seen the waters part, remember in the Red Sea, they had remembered those stories. Uh, but they, the, the way it happened there was Moses just stretched out his rod, his staff, as they were all watching, the Red Sea parted. But this is different. This is different. This time, it's gonna require them going down into the water first. In other words, you have to take the first step. Faith requires getting your feet wet. 
And God didn't do a single thing until they were obedient to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to step out and go into the water. You know, it's easy to have passive faith. Passive faith is faith that says, hey God, I'm over here, and uh, when you want to use me, come over and get me. You know, come over and, and tap me on the shoulder, and I'm ready to be used, but I'm just going to be standing, hanging out here until, until you're ready for me. That's passive faith. But true faith says, God, you've called me to do that. Your presence is moving. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to you. Even if the evidence, even if the, even if the waters don't part, Even if I step into the waters and nothing happens, I am going to still follow you. That's faith. That's what faith is. So they were concentrating their eyes. They were consecrating their hearts. That's what we're to do. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 12, 2 says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So Joshua said, watch the ark. Watch the ark. Watch the ark. And God will show up because God is with us. He's here. He's among us. He's going to do something great. Don't be afraid. And we get down to the verse 15. I love this. You know, the raging river doesn't get the last word. I love that. Uh, The coronavirus doesn't get the last word. Our governor doesn't get the last word. Do you know who gets the last word? God always gets the final word. And watch what happens, verse 15. It says, and as soon as those who were bearing, who were holding the ark, as soon as they came as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Get ready, here it comes. As soon as that happened, the waters coming down the river stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. And the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, or we can call it the Dead Sea down there, those continuing to flow were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Think about that. A million people walking over. And it even says that the land dried underneath their feet. Another miracle. It was phenomenal. And here they were. They were in a new place. Here's the question I, I want to just us to answer and discuss today is what part of this pandemic is the most difficult for you, for me right now? I mean, what, what part, what part of what's happening in your life? Is it the schooling part that your kids are home with you that you have never had to teach before that you've never had to maybe do a bible lesson maybe or maybe it's the job thing maybe it's the financial crisis that this is causing you and it's a brand new place for you i just want you to think about what what is this what is the river that you have had to cross what's the raging river that's been in front of you, you had to cross it. You find yourself in a new place today. What is that? And then, the next question is this. How have I concentrated my eyes and consecrated my heart toward Jesus? So during this pandemic, how have you kept your eyes 
on Jesus, kept your faith strong, and kept your heart strong. What are you doing about those things? For me, again, my pandemic is, is part of preaching to an, an empty room. It's trying to pastor people with, with, without the ability to hug them or shake their hand or see them face to face. It's trying to visit somebody in a hospital when they won't let us go in or take care of a family who has lost a member and we can't visit them. We're all in this new, new place. But as Joshua learned, concentrate your eyes, fix your eyes, and consecrate your heart. And the presence of God will be with you and the presence of God will lead you to that new place. And through that place, and through that river, if you will, you know, on the roof that day, as I was painting, it was so amazing to me. Here I was, feeling actually very secure and confident, standing on a pitched slope on a roof. And the reason I was so confident and felt better on that roof with a rope and with a harness than I did with a ladder is because that rope went over that roof and was connected to a person who I know loves me, and that was my wife. Joanne was on the other end of that rope, and that relationship that I have with her told me and gave me great comfort and gave me great peace that I could trust her on the other end of that rope. In other words, her presence made a difference in my comfort. Just as God's presence will make the difference. The relationship you have with him, the relationship I had with my wife, made the difference in my comfort. And it will in yours as well. I want us to pray together. Would you do that? Would you just bow with me? And let's pray. We're going to take communion in a few moments, but I want us just to pray together and invite the presence of God into your home, into your life, that you would follow him. Would you pray? Would you just bow with me and close your eyes as we pray together? Just close your eyes and reach out to him in this moment. Jesus, we come to you. We chase hard after you because you are the God of comfort. Those words ring true in our hearts today as you spoke them to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Jesus, because of that, because your presence is with us. We can concentrate on you. We can see you, we can fix our eyes on you, and we can consecrate our hearts to you. There is tremendous peace when we follow your presence. We need that, America needs that. God, I pray that this would be a spiritual awakening in every community, of every large city and every small urban community. God, I pray here in Lewis County that hearts would be more tender than ever to talk about the things of God, to talk about how life really is not about what we possess. It's about what we miss the most. That's the relationships. God, but the most important relationship is the one we have with you. Father, if there's anyone that's not in the right place with you. And if you're listening today and maybe you have drifted away from him, this would be a great moment just to pray, Jesus, come back, come back into my heart. I open the door to you. 
Be the Lord of my life. I want to live a life for you and I want to pursue you. I want to chase after you. I want to look towards your purposes in my life. Forgive me for wandering. I don't want to be like Israel that wandered in the desert. I want to be like Israel who came home to the promised land in a new place, in a new land, but living with God and God with us. We thank you for that today, Jesus. We love you. Lord, you know what you're doing in this new place. We can trust you, and we do. In Jesus' good name I pray, amen. Amen. We're gonna take communion in just a minute, but before we do, I wanna just have you think one more moment about the Ark of the Covenant. And in this Ark, we've talked about what's inside the Ark but we didn't share what's on top of the ark and it would have the cherubim and the seraphim, these two angels, where it says their wings would touch in the center. But below that was called the mercy seat or the judgment seat. And once a year, only once a year, Yom Kippur, the high priest, not just anybody, but the high priest could go inside that cubit 15 by 15, holy of holies, that place where nobody else was allowed and that high priest could go in there and he would take the blood of an animal and he would sprinkle it over that mercy seat or judgment seat. And in that moment, that judgment seat, that one day became a mercy seat. That's what the blood of Jesus does for us. It takes the wrath and the judgment of our sin and it brings mercy instead because of the blood that covers us. That's why Jesus said, I am your high priest. He not only gave his blood, but he was also the high priest who came and brought his blood before God and said, I'm gonna pay for your sin. So when Jesus took the bread, and he broke it. He was really referring to his body, and he broke his body. His body was gonna be broken on a cross, and he gave it to his friends, and he says, whenever you eat this, remember, my body was broken for you. And the same way, he took the cup, and today we're gonna have juice or whatever you might have, but it represented his blood, and he says, when you drink this today, remember, that was my blood that went on top of that altar my blood paid the way so that you could be totally forgiven. So let's receive that in a moment. As the team leads us in worship, let's get those elements and be ready. And let's continue to pursue the presence of God. Right now, would you pursue the presence of Jesus as we worship?